I'm Rechard van der Berg. And I'm Duncan McLeod. And I'm Simon Robinson. This is Talk Central, episode 184 for the weekend starting 21 July 2017. Talk Central is brought to you by Tech Central, real technology journalism. On Tech Central this week, the best of MediaTek Africa 2017. Plus a $20 4G phone, Vodacom's impressive numbers, OpenSurf slashes wholesale prices, and are you brave enough to catch a ride on Elon Musk's Falcon Heavy? It's Friday, we're at MediaTek, and it's time to podcast. Well, welcome to the show. How's it, Rachel? How's it, Simon? How's it? Great. Good to be here. Thanks for coming back on the show, Simon. We, uh, we had you on about uh, two weeks ago to talk about uh, MediaTek Africa 2017, and here we are at MediaTek Africa 2017. Yeah, absolutely. It's mm. been a cracker show so thus far. Yeah, well, I've just had a brief look around uh, over the, in the last hour, the first time I've actually had a chance to get, get through here. But Rachel, you, um, you came through yesterday and spent quite a bit of time here. What, what have you seen that's uh, caught your attention? Well, I've seen that my budget isn't big enough to afford anything at this show, but wow, what, a, what an amazing array of technology, especially in the broadcast space, which I'm kind of newly a, 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 a fond uh, content creator of. Um, a lot of interesting things from cameras, uh, not, I mean, there's a lot of broadcast stuff, so it's, I mean, this is a high-end show, yeah. but I was interested by the likes of Canon. Um, they had some really interesting cameras on display. Uh, it was very nice to see the drones, you know, there's some really cool drones on display here. <clears throat> but uh, what was the winner for me, definitely, was the Insta360 camera. Um, is that the big circle camera. of cameras that I saw on one? No, no, one. sorry, that was like, a, that is a, a, a time splice action photography rig. Right. Yeah. So it allows you to, in bullet time, capture somebody jumping or doing an action. Uh, what I'm talking about is a camera, a 360 camera that you can actually broadcast from, live broadcast to the internet. Um, which uh, puts my 360 rig to shame, unfortunately. <laughs> but um, yeah, some some really cool tech here. Some really cool tech. And lighting, lighting is lighting phenomenal. Yeah. Wow, yeah. wow. Lots yeah. of lots of high-end video production equipment. Uh, uh, I think stuff that broadcasters get uh, quite excited get about. To play with, yeah. Probably stuff yeah. us podcasters will will never get to play with in our lives. But uh, it's good, well, it's good to see. Well, yeah, I think I mean I think there's a lot more in that sort of podca- podcasting mm. space that's uh, coming more and more. And I think the there's been a, a massive change from. Uh, business models of a lot of these uh, um, equipment manufacturers oh, yes. they've had to they've had to now start considering you know you know what how traditional linear broadcasters are, are dealing with uh, um, their broadcasting and, yeah. and how they're dealing with content mm, indeed so Simon you're the organizer of this show um, it's an impressive turnout I was at the one two years ago I, I, it seems busier to me although it's kind of hard for me to remember two years into history but uh, it does seem like a busy show um, which I guess is a little bit surprising given the state of the South African economy at the moment. What does this tell us about the state of the broadcasting media space in South Africa? You know, I don't think that the, I mean, I think that every industry really is getting hit by uh, the economic impact. I mean, that's been uh, been huge on uh, on the whole of South Africa. Um, and yeah, we were a little bit nervous coming into the show to see what the kind of turnout would be uh, and the enthusiasm of uh, visitors here been chatting to a lot of the exhibitors and there's been phenomenal feedback and they, they're actually quite positive. They kind of think that if they could get politics right and, and so on, we, we're in for a very bright future. I get that impression as well. I, I mean, just just talking to people out in the industry, it seems that everyone's ready to start making investments again. We just need to, as you say, get the politics right in this country and uh, I think we may be in for a bit of a mini boom. Yeah, I was chatting to quite a few of our internationals, and they've seen such a you know a positive change in in, in Europe. They're seeing a real upswing um, there, and you know a lot of them are very very well aware of what's happening in in South Africa, and they think that you know it's it's set for positive change if we if we can 
you know, get a couple of things right and that sort of thing. The market, you know, globally is is ready for some uh, for some investment. Mm-hmm. And let's not forget, South Africa is still one of the cheapest countries to make movies in. A lot of these guys, especially yeah. drone operators these days, you know, are, are seeing the benefits in that. Even though it's difficult to get licensing at the moment, but you know, having all these uh, production companies come in shooting our beautiful country, you know, there's so much opportunity if we can get this legislation right uh, mm-hmm. around it. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, South Africa. I saw a rating a while ago. Where, I mean, we are one of the cheapest countries in the in the world. But you know, from from a, a technology space point of view, we are. While we're not manufacturing technology, you know, the services that we supply around it, state of the art. Yeah. Uh, we're right up there with the rest of the world. So, you know, we can really deliver great uh, service to the industry, and particularly within the film industry as well. Oh yes. And it's, I mean, no doubt walking around here, the hour I've spent here this afternoon, the, you know, the skills are here in South Africa. The guys are here ready to do the stuff, and uh, this show's pretty exciting from that perspective. But um, we need to talk about news as well, and before we even do that, we need to do our quiz. quiz. Uh, <laughs> Simon, could I ask you to, uh, to uh, kick off our quiz this week with the first question? Uh, first question. Tech Central this week published a podcast with a former CTO of Business Connection who is working on a reversible hydrogen fuel cell. Who is he? And for a bonus point, what is the reversible fuel cell called? The second question this week's uh, quiz. We're recording this podcast at Neurotech Africa 2016. Where is this event taking place? Our third question. SAP is fighting allegations of kickbacks involving its South African operation. Which SAP board member has been parachuted into the country to deal with the crisis? Right, and the fourth one. Semiconductor company Qualcomm is facing a bruising and increasingly acrimonious legal battle with which major smartphone manufacturer. And the final question, who has been named as SAP Africa MD in the wake of allegations of kickbacks involving a Gupta-owned company? That's our quiz. We'll get to the results of that at the end of the show as always, but uh, let's start, uh, let's talk about the, let's talk about the news this week. Richard, I went to a really interesting presentation uh, at uh, Qualcomm uh, this week. You know, Qualcomm is the absolutely massive semiconductor oh, company yes. that makes the... They're in everything. They're in everything. If you've got a smartphone in your pocket, chances are it's got a Qualcomm, Qualcomm chipset inside it. Uh, so uh, they've introduced a reference design phone. Um, I think it's called the Qualcomm 805 or 205. 205, I beg your pardon. Yeah. And this is a 4G phone. It's a 4G f- feature phone, if you like. It looks just like one of those old Nokia candy bars with a keyboard and a, and a little screen, except this phone is a 4G device, uh, and it costs $20. Incredible. I mean, the implications of this thing is quite impressive. This is very entry level. It runs Android KitKat. Uh, they're using such an old version of Android because it has a much smaller memory footprint than the more modern versions of Android. Presumably, they'll take advantage of that new Android that uh, Google announced uh, at, its, well, uh, at its developer conference this year, Google I.O., uh, which will have, a, I think, a maximum of uh, it'll be made available for devices with a, a maximum of a gigabyte of RAM. Uh, but uh, interesting that this device is coming to market and they've um, really started to introduce these phones. Chinese manufacturers have started taken this reference design from Qualcomm have started selling devices around the $20 price point into the Indian market. Um, you might ask why, what's the point? Um, you know, this device can do very basic stuff like connecting to WhatsApp and maybe a bit of Facebook and that sort of thing. Qualcomm's thinking behind this is that if they can get the mass market to move off 2G, the 2G handsets that are so prevalent in emerging markets, including South Africa, um, I mean, we've been using smartphones for years, but more than 50% of all active phones 
connect to the networks in South Africa only support 2G. They won't connect to the 3G or 4G networks. Goodness, I yes. was not aware yes. of that, really. Which is a remarkable number. And that's the case right across the emerging world. Um, India, uh, Ch China's switching very quickly, of course, to, L to uh, 4G and, 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 of course, 3G. But right across Africa, um, 2G feature phones are still massive. In fact, the latest numbers from, I forget if it was IDC or Gartner, but the latest numbers from one of those companies said that the number of feature phones, the growth in feature phones in Africa is outstripping the growth in smartphone sales. Um, people cannot afford to buy smartphones, so they, but they want to be connected, so they're buying these old basic feature phones. A lot of them shipped in from China. Yeah, yeah. Refurbs. Yeah. And this is a massive problem for the mobile operators because the mobile operators, in the South African context, for example, but it's, it's the case in many markets in Africa, they, try, they want to push to the latest uh, technology. So they want, to they want to use their spectrum to deploy particularly 4G LTE. Um, but they're not getting spectrum assignments. We know the long history of, of allocating spectrum in, in, in the South African context, and you know it may still be years before these operators are able to get access to, to yeah. uh, digital dividend yeah. spectrum and, and even spectrum in, in 2.6 gigahertz. Uh, but the problem is they've got this huge base of customers sitting on the 2G network. So they've refarmed some of their spectrum, um, I think mainly in, at the eight, in the 1800 megahertz band for LTE. But they can't refarm 900, which is ideal for doing LTE, especially outside the cities because yeah, of its yeah. propagation ca characteristics. So um, the idea that Qualcomm has here is that, um, and of course it's not altruistic of, of Qualcomm at all. They're pushing their own agenda here, of course, because they want to sell more of these high-end chipsets. But if you can get more of these 4G devices into the market um, then and, and get consumers off these cheap, I won't call them nasty, just cheap 2G devices, some of them are actually very good, uh, then you can start to think about freeing up, doing, freeing up that spectrum, yeah, exactly. which is what operators in the developed world are already doing. In, uh, in markets in Europe, the regulators and the operators in North America as well are talking about switching off 2G. Um, and they're probably going to do it in the coming th few years. Uh, but our operators are in a much more difficult position because they're still selling millions of these 2G devices every year. Um, so if they can if they can start to sell if they can start to sell cheap 4G devices, then uh, there's you know there's possibility that they could um, they could start to uh, get that 2G base off their network and then start to reallocate that 900 megahertz particularly. Uh, for um, for LTE in the absence of getting access to any other spectrum, and and we all know what's happened in the broadcasting digital migration story disaster that's yeah. been going on for ten years now. Um, there's, there's no reason to believe that um, the broadcasters are going to be out of that spectrum anytime soon. Um, I mean, based on, on on what's happened in the past and and uh, you know all the drama around the stuff, you know, I, I'd be very surprised if the, if the analog broadcasters are actually out of that spectrum by 2020. Yeah, yeah, I'd be very, very surprised. I mean, there's been so much political interference and, and uh, interference amongst uh, the, the different broadcasters as yeah. well. It's, it's been, as you said, it's been going on for years and years. Uh, I even think 2020 is being optimistic when I mean, you look at the history of what, what we've been through with it. Yes. Well, at the rate we're going, though, uh, well, I suppose, you know, giving the spectrum to the operators getting the, and the broadcasters getting out of that spectrum um, is actually a long in the long term is probably bad for the broadcasters because people are going to consume more and more uh, uh, media over the mobile networks 
to become increasingly become the platform through which people get get entertained. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, multi-choice and ETV fighting with each other for years over the spectrum. Perhaps it advantages them in some way because um, it's not getting that cheap broadband in the hands of consumers. So people are more reliant on their terrestrial services. To yeah. Maybe that's a bit of maybe that's a bit of a cynical argument to be made. But yeah, I mean, I think they, you know. Chatting to the guys here, you know, one one actually gets the feeling that they that they know that they have to move into those directions, and mm. if they don't, you know, make those make those changes and, and move in that direction, you know, they're going to get left behind. Yeah. I mean, it's happened across the rest, as you say, in a lot of the de- developing markets. It's really yes. it's really happened. Absolutely. Um, um, so yeah. trying to hang on to it, I think, mm. is is uh, fruitless, really. Mm. We've certainly seen uh, multi-choice making some big efforts in, in getting more internet savvy if you like and of course mm-hmm. there's the DSTV Now platform uh, which uh, which works reasonably well um, but the, the terrestrial broadcasters don't really seem from what I've seen anyway maybe you've got more of an insight Simon but the terrestrial broadcasters in South Africa uh, apart from multi-choice don't seem to really have much of a strategy around delivering their content on the internet yeah I, I mean I'd go with you on that and, and talking to the guys multi-choice definitely uh, you know I think they have a very very clear strategy and they've got I wouldn't be surprised if they pull a few more rabbits out of the bag with with that. Um, I think they're all over it. They see where they are losing on uh, on uh, subscription-based television, terrestrial. Um, you know, but the but the rest of them, I'm, I, I really don't know. I don't think I, I can't see SABC making those uh, changes. I think they've got you know so many other issues to try and sort out. You know. Yeah, I think they're going to get left behind with it. I think licensing these things for, licensing content for online use, because it's such a competitive space now. I mean, if you've got Netflix, sorry, um, you know, Netflix will probably license a lot of good stuff. Showmax will have, you know, the other portion. If for, for new players to come in now, um, you know, even existing broadcasts to make the transition successfully, they've already got a, such tough competition out there. Mm. Um, licensing is, is going to get tricky. And they're probably committed to terrestrial broadcasting licensing exclusively, mm. which they can control much better than mm. online exposure or online broadcasting. Mm. Yeah, I think it'll be, I mean, going to that licensing issue, I think it, uh, it'll be interesting to see actually what happens with that because you know, online content and, and licensing around that, I think it really op- gives the, you know, the content holders the opportunity to spread that license a lot you know, a lot broader and, and not just stick with a, one particular uh, provider. So I think they've also cottoned on to that. I mean, you, you look at the sort of the, the pay-per-view kind of uh, concepts and that sort of thing in, in, in the States. Uh, yeah, I think I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing that kind of uh, thing. I'm surprised we haven't seen it yet. Pay-per-view is such a fantastic concept. Mm. Just, you know, I'll pay for the content at the price of a movie ticket, probably even more, 150, 200 bucks if it's an early release title. Yeah. You know, it's a lot of money now, but uh, it, it's... I think it's, it's where we need to go, otherwise people are going to keep pirating. Mm, That's sure. a huge issue still. For sure, for sure, for sure. So, um, yeah, we went from $20 smartphones to... <laughs> <laughs> we are so passionate about this. Indeed. Yeah, but uh, uh, maybe a question, that, that, that $20 uh, smartphone, is that, so accessing the internet on that, it, it won't be for that, it'll basically be used for certain applications that can then, you know, use the 4G network? It's it's a it's running Android, so okay. um, it's an old version of Android KitKat for now. I presume it's going to get this newer iteration of Android that they announced at I/O this year, uh, a, a later this year when it when it becomes available. But um, for now, it's running KitKat. But you, that means you can run anything. That's more than adequate for most apps, most app. communication apps. Yeah, you can probably absolutely. run Facebook. You, in fact, they confirmed you can run Facebook and WhatsApp on it, which are probably the two most in-demand apps on the smartphones. Um, 
you know, you probably you're not going to use this thing to play games, but um, and it's got a very small screen. It's got either a 2.4 or 2.8 inch display. It looks, yeah, it really looks yeah. like a candy bar feature phone. Um, but it's got a, it's it's category four LTE, um, so it's capable of up to 150 megabits a second. In theory, um, so you know, you, you, you connect to the internet. You can probably do your email on this thing. Um, I don't think it's got a camera on. It does. It's got a it's got a three megapixel rear face. Sorry, a one point three megapixel rear facing and a zero point three megapixel. So you can essentially do video calls with it over four G. Very low res. Very low quality video calls, but just got a low quality VGA screen. Yeah. Um, but if you call in if you, that, if you, if you call into another such phone, yeah. you know, it'll be more than adequate. You know, especially to see someone's face, yeah. which I think is such an essential way to communicate for people in distance, uh, across distances. Yeah, and bringing a phone in at 300 Rand for a brand new phone as opposed to buying a, you know, a second-hand one, you know, old, yeah. Yeah. old stock. New revenue, yeah, 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 you're not losing out on that revenue. Yeah. Of course, the price of, um, of 3G phones has come down a lot as well. Um, I think Vodacom is smel uh, smelling, is <laughs> selling its um, uh, smart kicker handset now for 399 Rand. Wow, that's impressive. Okay. Uh, so, um, we're not talking a huge price cut from there. Um, but you know, there's a big market of people who can't afford a 399 phone. They in the 299 or 199 category. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, guys who go to pep stores and they buy the cheapest phone because it's all they can afford. Yeah. yeah. Um, interesting. Uh, there's a big move by the operators. Um, uh, certainly, Blue Label Telecoms is looking at doing it. I hear rumours that Vodacom is looking at doing it, and that's starting to provide financing into that low end of the market. So even if you can't afford to buy that uh, Smart Kicker 399 smartphone, you can have buy it on easy financing. Five rand, ten rand a month, probably, or five rand, ten rand a week. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. It makes yeah. a lot of sense. I think it's a big market that you know we've been focused on the high-end devices for so long. I guess these manufacturers also realise with the recycling of existing old devices. You know, we need to get into these markets and give them not something that's just something that's good technologically, yeah. but, uh, but also you know that yeah. really serves a purpose. And I think communication, the underlying fact of mm. getting people easy access to communication and information, is such a critical human right these days. Mm. This really goes to that. In fact, one of the operators was saying to me this week that um, hand-me-down phones are actually a big problem for them because uh, mm. yeah. Yeah. you know it gets the penetration out there, but the, these two G phones never die; they just get passed yes. on. Yeah, um, I can imagine. I mean, you know, every time. You know, I get an upgrade and, and so on. I you know pass it on. Yes, and, and you know, I do the same I think, thing. Yeah. I think somebody else can get the benefit of, of what I had. It's you know still in good good enough condition, and yeah. there there it goes. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's, it's it's an interesting one, but um, certainly Vodacom uh, is uh, is doing well despite the economy. Um, they 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 put People up making calls. People are still making calls. Well, they're actually making fewer calls, but uh, they're surfing the internet a lot more than they used to, and that's where the growth is coming from. Uh, I think voice uh, revenue was down about 4% yeah, year on year in, in their latest quarterly numbers. So I think it's the first quarter of their 2018 financial year to the end of June. Uh, but company doing incredibly well. The share price had, uh, touching, I had a look at it just before I came in here, touching uh, just under 180 rand a share, which is an all-time high. Wow. Uh, and it's, it's on the back of um, strong demand for data. Um, and um, we all know that Vodacom is not the cheapest operator in South Africa, especially when it comes to, to data. Um, but consumers seem to have an appetite for their network, and uh, it probably speaks to the fact that they've got such wide coverage. The people are perhaps prepared to pay a premium over uh, some of the, 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 the cheaper offerings in the market. Yeah. Um, and more hand-me-down phones, smartphones mean more you know, smartphones out in the market using this, this data, you know? Indeed.
more and more people are on, are, are on, on data now. In fact, I think uh, 60, um, I stand to be corrected, but I think I saw 60% of Vodacom's base is now using data services on a regular basis. Um, it's making up uh, something like 39% of their total service revenue. Um, it's not going to be long now before data is the majority of their revenue. I think it's time to do another poll. How much of your data do you use on your phone and how much have you converted to Wi-Fi? Yeah. How much voice call do you make versus data calls these days? Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's not getting... Uh, I think it, not long ago it was a bit strange when you received a WhatsApp call and uh, and now, you know, very quickly, you know, quite used to it. And it's, yeah, yeah. yeah, you don't almost find it invasive now or rude or anything like that. I think <laughs> when I first started off and somebody phoned me on WhatsApp, but if I didn't know them well, I thought it was almost rude. Yes, yes. <laughs> no, I mean, you can add anybody out of the blue now. It's an acceptable yes. form of communication. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So excellent numbers uh, from uh, from Vodacom this week, uh, and we'll uh, talk about them a, a more a bit later in the show. But right now we need to take an ad break. We'll be back right after this. Bitco is revolutionising the way businesses connect. We're taking on your connectivity challenges and shooting our high-speed fibre internet across the country. Not just for some, but for everyone. Fibre is not a luxury, but a necessity for business, for life, for you. And being connected is everything. So network with a tier one internet provider and take your business to the next level of connectivity. Bitco.co.za. Connectivity is everything. Honey, why can't I download any more series? Dad, my game just bombed. Daddy, I was speaking to Kevin and my cord just cut out. With uncapped Vox Fiber to the home, reaching your cap is a thing of the past. You can have all your devices connected all the time. Get unlimited browsing, unlimited calling, and unlimited entertainment. Vox Fiber. Now uncapped. T's and C's apply. For more information, visit vox.co.za. Welcome back to Talk Central. How's it, Richard? How's it, Simon? How's it? Great. Good to be here. So, um, OpenServe. Did you see the news this week that they are cutting their um, IPC and fiber prices? Yeah, there's been something coming now, and I'm very happy about that. But these are quite aggressive price cuts. 25% on IPC, and this comes just two months after they cut IPC, back in on June 1. Less than two months. I think we're getting close to a time where a 50 meg connection like the one that I've got is going to get in under a thousand rand. I think within the year we'll probably see something like that. I think we're already seeing 100 megs on certain ISPs. Uh, you know, I'm, not, I'm sure they're, they're uh, you know, you, there's some. Yeah, they normally have a five meg up or something like that. Yeah, um, but yeah, I think I think even 100 meg connections are going to be under a uh, thousand rand pretty soon. In fact, I think we've seen one or two ISPs offering that. Of course, we've got Vumatel introducing 200 megasecond um, fiber on the 1st of August. That's been confirmed now. Uh, a number of ISPs are really advertising prices around that. You're itching to get one, aren't you? I, I can't wait. <laughs> uh, um, my service provider, uh, fiber service provider, hasn't advertised anything yet, but I'm sure it's coming. Um, if they don't, I'll just have to move to another ISP. <laughs> <laughs> and one can transition so easily these so days. Yeah, for sure. But um, I want to know, I mean, all of these guys are offering uh, uncapped packages, you know, quite easily. A lot of them are. I wonder yeah. how they, I mean, how do, how do, how do they sustain it for, for so long? I mean, I'm using a lot of data these days because I'm streaming everything in HD. I can only imagine how much that you'd, actually you'd, you'd actually be surprised at how little data you use, I think. Um, you, you stream a lot of data, but, um, you know, I used to be on a capped connection. I also streamed a lot. And I, you know, I didn't, I didn't really use more than about 300 to 400 gigabytes a month. And if you look at the capped prices for three or 400 gigs a month, it's actually below what you pay for uncapped. So uh, okay. I don't think they're losing yes, money. Yes. 
you know, of course, there'll be the outliers, the guys who get the uncapped and then burn through terabytes on peer-to-peer networks and that sort of thing. On educational files, yeah, educational um, videos. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Creative Commons content. <laughs> um, but, you know, um, you know I, th- I think it's, I, I think the, I think what we're seeing now is that uncapped is a sustainable model. Um, it, it, it's been sustainable on DSL for the longest time, so there's no reason it shouldn't be sustainable on... Uh, on fiber, and I suppose that um, these ISPs, if they identify customers who are burning through five terabytes a month, they can always address find ways of throttling them if they need yeah, to. Sure. It's just nice not to think about data these days. It really is. It is. Yeah, that's refreshing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Simon, you haven't got your fiber in yet. You're still on no, I'm, st- I'm still on. <laughs> no, it's still backwards. What, 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 are you, what do you have at the moment? Just a, a, a 10 meg line through uh, Telcom. But, uh, I remember those days. Do you? <laughs> they, they've recently put them into the into the complex, but I haven't actually made that uh, transition. Maybe it's just uh, laziness. Eh? No, you must. You you change your life. Got to do it. Um, I, I used to be on ADSL, and my line peaked out at 5 megs a second when it was up, which was about half the time. I yeah, that is things. still uh, the other challenge. I mean, it's uh, constantly having to reset things and uh, mm. um, ask them to reset ports, etc. So, yeah. Having fiber incredibly stable, it's amazing. It's, it's also, yeah, it is. I mean, I, you can run things consistently, and I've got multiple devices now, multiple cameras streaming out. It's amazing what you can throw at this thing. But just, just having that ability to have essentially an uncapped access pushing to the internet as well, Correct. that's me is a yeah. big thing. You know, saving your files online, everybody's got photographs, saving. You know, five, six years worth of photographs online over an evening. Yeah. It's absolutely amazing to be able to. Which is that. near impossible on the line I have. Yeah, no, you won't yeah. be able to. That's the problem with DSL, is the up speed is so slow. Yeah. Um, yeah, with fiber, the, the cloud computing paradigm um, just makes sense. I mean, mm. you use. You use OneDrive or Google Drive or Dropbox as a as a as a local, local drive, drive. Yeah. As, as if it's a local drive. Yeah, <laughs> that's fantastic. I've actually gone back to plugging my computer in at home as well because with Wi-Fi you still lose, you know, 10, 20 megs. Yeah. You know, but you know, when you plugged in, you get f- probably just over the amount that you subscribe to. Um, yeah. So if you, nothing like it. You wired your house with Ethernet. Oh, yeah, yeah, now, yeah. Now every house has got every room's got a little Wi-Fi router just to make sure everything's got the strongest signal. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the important points has got. Uh, uh, Wi-Fi network points. Yeah, I've done the same thing. Yeah. I've, uh, I've I dropped have. dropped Ethernet behind my TV, etc. Even though I haven't got fiber, I have done that. Preparing, preparing. You are ready for fiber. <laughs> I'm ready for it. <laughs> <laughs> Who is your fiber provider? As a matter of interest, uh, MTM. MTM. Oh, they put it into the uh, into the complex. Okay. Well, they've yeah. just um, announced they're going uh, open access. I use that term in inverted commas, yes. uh, which means that um, like Vumatel, like OpenServe, you're going to be able to choose whichever ISP you want on that fiber. Oh, okay, mm. interesting. Which is fantastic. Yeah, now it's truly become an open platform, and you can yeah, mm. get the best deals and Indeed. change it up. Indeed. So OpenServe announcing uh, that they are slashing prices. So the IPC price is coming down by 25%, which Simon means your ADSL is going to get cheaper soon. Do uh, it, Simon. Do it. So it's time to move. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they're also cutting the uh, cost of, um, of wholesale fiber. By an average of nine percent, so there'll be bigger cuts in some speeds and 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 smaller and other speeds. But I think it's something they had to do because OpenServe had become has become perceived uh, and perceived because they are more expensive than uh, some of the other fiber providers in the market. If you go and compare, say, a hundred meg uncapped um, OpenServe product on uh, say uh, an AfriHost 
and then compare that with the exact same product on Vumatel, Vumatel is going to be cheaper. Yeah. Simply because the wholesale component that Telcom's been charging for that open serve fiber is more more expensive. Okay. Something had to give. So I think that this announcement here, we're going to see those prices probably reaching something near parity. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that what we've seen from Telcom this week is a response to competition. Very good thing. And uh, yeah, it's, it's nice to be in a position where, again, things are getting cheaper for us. So competition for Telcom in the last mile. Who would ever have thought <laughs> <laughs> Feels like we were speaking about this just yesterday, sighing, Duncan. <laughs> yes. And, and I mean, that last mile, is that, do you think that's going to really uh, come into play over the next uh, um, few years strongly? Us, no, this is, definitely. This is, the, this is what everybody's fighting for. Yeah. So where the money's at, I think. If you own that, yeah, you essentially own, you, you own that customer, that house, that property forever. Yeah, it's, um, the, I mean, there's, there has to be consolidation in that market. In fact, we saw some of that consolidation starting to happen this week with Vumatel acquiring the FTTH assets of Link Africa. Mm-hmm. Link Africa, of course, is a big um, player down in Durban. They've got a, a lot of suburbs uh, down there, um, I, think, I think in the highway area as well as um, the north of the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've also got some assets up here in Gauteng, which, uh, which Vumatel has bought. I asked uh, Johan Pretorius, who's the chief operating officer at Vumatel, whether this is the start of the consolidation that everyone's been talking about in this fiber space, because there are about 24, 25 fiber to the home operators in South Africa by current estimation. Incredible amount. Yeah, it's a very big number. Uh, Most of those guys, of course, are very subscale. There are only a handful, less than a handful of of big guys, dominated, of course, by OpenServe, which is the biggest, followed uh, probably not far behind by Vumatel. but he, his view is that uh, the consolidation is not about to start just yet. This was an opportunistic acquisition. Fi- uh, Link Africa felt that they couldn't really serve that, that home fiber market. They would do a much better job focusing on fiber to the business. Yeah, yeah. So, they, um, so they, they sold those assets. So the view is that that big consolidation isn't happening yet. But at some point, we're going to see someone make a play for Vumatel. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And that's going to be a big, big number. I would wager a bet to say probably going to be one of the biggest acquisitions in South Africa. That happens. Well, in, the, in our sector, for sure, um, it's yeah, it'll it'll be it'll probably be a, a, a nine-figure number. Yeah, uh, I, I would I would estimate it'll be a, 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 over a billion. When we were there at the start, remember that, Duncan? At I remember that. I remember being in Parkhurst <laughs> when they started trenching. In fact, I went to the we, we went, went to the launch. Yes, yeah, we were there. The yeah. trenching where they actually dug the first hole. Yeah. Really? <laughs> you should have bought shares there and, and then. then. Neil Skuman uh, was there in his. Uh, He's the CEO of Vimitel. Yeah, he has yeah. uh, overalls and he put the spade in the ground and that was the start of it. It was only about two and a half years ago. Yeah, fantastic. Well, it's cool come online very quickly, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah so um, OpenServe, cutting prices in response to competition, so that's great news for consumers. The last thing I wanted to talk about was Falcon Heavy. Uh, this is the uh, rocket ship. That, well, Falcon, uh, not so heavy if you're going to be on it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm certainly not going to be signing up to be one of the first passengers on this thing. Not after Elon Musk warned this week that um, that uh, it's going to be a bit risky. Uh, you might not survive. <laughs> In fact, he warned that uh, there's a, probably a, 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 a greater than tiny chance that um, that uh, the first flight of this thing is not going to be successful. I don't know if he's planning to put passengers on it for the first time around. I suspect one, one, not. One would hope not. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> no, I think they'll put a lot of dummies on there. Yes. With lots of data metric capture yeah. devices. Yeah. Yeah. Metric data. Uh, but this is the, the vehicle that he's hoping to use eventually to put a colony on Mars. 
So we have uh, to start somewhere, Duncan. You have to, start, have to start somewhere. somewhere. Yeah, I, he won't be starting with me. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, there, no doubt will be um, there will be uh, lunatics out there who uh, will be very glad to be on that first flight. I suspect Adriana Merea might be one of them. Yeah, I know for sure. <laughs> but on the other side of uh, uh, on the other side of Elon Musk news, did you hear the rumor that they may get approval to do a New York DC? I saw that. Hyperloop line. I saw that. Yeah. Oh, to no, make the trip twenty five minutes. From one city to the next. How much? I, I don't know. I haven't driven that. I think it's a couple. Of, I think it's two or three hours now. Okay, okay. Yeah, it, I mean, it's um, it's that's going to be an expensive project. <laughs> but again, you know, it's amazing to see that we. It'll be amazing if we can just start with these things. You know, mm. these are you know, again ways to bring people together around the world. Uh, you have effortlessly. You have seen what the company's called. Sorry? You have seen what his company's called that's doing it? No, I haven't, I haven't. The Boring Company. <laughs> <laughs> if you look on his profile, it just says boring. Boring. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit louder at MediaTek. I think somebody uh, just opened up a demo. Uh, yeah, demo you, uh, yeah. And, uh, apologies for that. That's why I was uh, waving my arms around trying to get people to go. <laughs> the, the sound police to kick into action. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to rain on your parade, guys. Just just a few more minutes, please. No, but it's um, it's actually great fun being here at MediaTek. We're sitting, we should have, I should have mentioned this at the beginning of the show. We're sitting in a bit of a fishbowl here in the middle of the show floor. So uh, we've got a crowd of people uh, uh, actually that have dispersed now. We had a crowd of people around us a few minutes ago. Yeah, you do feel a bit like a, like a goldfish. <laughs> like you're being watched. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's kind of fun. It, uh, it's uh, it's, it's uh, certainly more entertaining than the, the usual uh, four, four yeah, walls, dark that, we, walls yes. that we record in. But, uh, uh, so thanks for having us, Simon. That's um, great to always having you guys here. So that's, uh, that's our news this week. Um, let's move on to our regular features. And... Um, I wonder this week, I think it has to be Bitcoin and the Bitcoin community. Oh, yes. Um, so it looks like the split has been averted. Um, we've seen the wild, wild ride that Bitcoin price has uh, been on over the last month or so. Mm. It went up all the way to $3,000 and came crashing down to about $1,800 on uh, worries that uh, the community wasn't going to agree on the standard going forward uh, for um, Bitcoin mining. Uh, there was, uh, I think, you probably know the details better than I do, but it had something to do with uh, the, time, the amount of time. I actually, it was taken. I actually don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll wing it. Uh, it had something to do with the amount of time that it was taking to process Bitcoin transactions, and so they had to change the way the whole uh, uh, currency worked, how it processed transactions. Because it became very difficult. I mean, it's virtually impossible for anybody new coming on board to mine Bitcoin. And, and, I don't think and that was the issue. It was just it was how long it would take to actually just process a tra- Bitcoin transaction. And, and the fact it was taking so long was, was undermining its value as a currency. And, and, the, and there, were, there, was, there were two proposals put on the table. And I apologize to any Bitcoin experts because I'm probably butchering this horribly. But there were two, there were two proposals put on the table. And um, there, there was a bit of a war going on in the Bitcoin community mm. about which, which one should, should, should uh, take precedence. The Bitcoin miners were arguing for one thing and, and the rest of the community was arguing for something else. Eventually, there was a, 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 a compromise reached in something called Segwit2x, and um, it, there was worry that uh, the community wouldn't embrace this, particularly the Bitcoin mining community. Now, what's happened now is mm. that it's reached that 80% threshold, actually gone way beyond the 80% threshold that they needed for Segwit2 to become accepted as the um, a, as the, the standard way of, uh, I'm not sure what the correct term is, of uh, conducting transactions on Bitcoin. Um, I could be wrong saying that but uh, I think you've done a good job so far yeah, I understand <laughs> <laughs> when you get into layman's terms yes uh, a layman trying to explain something technical um, 
And so um, it appears that they're going to avoid a split. Mm. Um, so the Bitcoin, if, go, if you go and have a look at the Bitcoin um, uh, graph of its value on, on Google Finance, for example, you'll see it, it plummeted over the last couple of weeks from 3,000 yes, to yes. below 2,000. Now it's bounced all the way back, almost back up to $3,000 again. Wow. Um, and um, if indeed that split has been averted, and assuming you believe in the inherent value of, of Bitcoin uh, as a store of value, then um, you know the path is probably cleared for this thing to continue rising. Yeah, no, definitely. Do you own any Bitcoin, Simon? No, I don't. No, no. Yeah, I, neither do I. I did. I did mine a little bit in the beginning. Did it you? was relatively easy, but I lost my account. I lost my. We hacked. Back then, no, no. I just lost the, the details to my account and oh. I couldn't recover it for okay. some reason. I. So I couldn't find my my. You got it. You get a number, like a hash number that you, okay. your yeah. account is. And it was all anonymous. It wasn't apps like you get today. It was, yeah. you know, you were working with the servers. It was so how, how much, how many Bitcoins did you lose? I think I had 1.6. 1.6, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Which I thought was nothing. That's about $4,500 you lost. Yeah, four yeah. Half, sorry, not 4500 Rand, 4500 Dollars. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, a whole lot more than 4500 Rand. <laughs> and I forgot about it for a long time because, I, you know, as a geek, you always play with these things, put it away, forget about it, lost the details. When it, when it became bigger a few years back and it shot up, yeah. I really looked everywhere for that key. Do you think yeah. it is the currency of the future? Uh, maybe not Bitcoin directly, but... Cryptocurrency, yes. cryptocurrency, yes. Yes. Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. I mean, it, it has to be. I think uh, currency, paper currency, or any, a currency based on a physical asset like gold is, you know, it's reached, reached a finite, uh, I think, finite, finite threshold. Yeah. I'm not an expert in these things, but yeah. um, we, we need something that we can transact more yeah. better, more efficient with. I think. I mean, something else might emerge that um, that, that supersedes. Bitcoin. Yeah. It might be yeah. Ethereum. It might be. I mean, there's so many of these things. I mean, there are dozens or probably hundreds of cryptocurrencies, if not more. And that's why I don't understand it. I mean, I'm yeah. a, I actually need to do some research and then really get stuck yeah. into it. Yeah, we to need to speak to Simon. Simon. Simon Dingle. Dingle. We yeah. should actually yeah. get Simon on the show sometime. And he's uh, an expert. He's, a, he's, a, he's an expert. But of course, we had Vinnie Lingham on the show uh, a couple of weeks ago, and he was talking about his initial coin offering. Uh, so he provided some real interesting insights into into the world of cryptocurrencies mm. during that uh, discussion. Uh, which is, of course, also about his startup Civic. But yeah, let's get uh, Simon uh, on the show some sometime. It'll be, he's based in Cape Town, of course, but uh, maybe he's up here sometime. Otherwise, we can just uh, we can just Skype him in. And, uh, I'm sure Tech Central can fly us down for a weekend. Yeah, let's see if we can get a sponsor. We'll stay, we'll, <laughs> we'll stay at the uh, at the Mount Nelson and uh, <laughs> weekend away. Yeah, indeed, for the blog, for the uh, podcasters, for the podcasters. <laughs> cool. So um, where were we? That was our winner, uh, our loser this week. Um, I thought I'd pick anyone trying to compete with Vodacom. <laughs> uh, because they really are firing on all cylinders. They're doing really clever stuff with uh, big data, with artificial intelligence. You know, they, they're, um, you see headline tariffs uh, in the market now for data and, and for voice as well. But that's not what consumers on Vodacom are paying. Uh, they are offering personalized bundles based on your purchase history and what Vodacom knows about you. So they're doing mm. this sort of anal this an analytics on their back end. And they're able to determine all sorts of uh, interesting things, uh, probably more things than we care to know about. Um, but they, they can determine, you know, is this guy likely to buy this much data? Yeah. What's his what price point is he willing to accept? And then when you go start triple one hash on your phone on Vodacom, and you get up, bring up that menu, you, uh, it'll say, well, Ed, would you like, first option, would you like to buy this much data? It looks like you're running a bit low. Or it could proactively send you a message. Knows you, as a, yeah, knows you as a customer. 
proactively send you a message saying, hey, uh, you know, we see you're running low on data. We know you like this amount of data. Here's a, here's a special of 99 Rand on a gigabyte. Uh, would you like it? And you just press yes on your phone. That's awesome. Clever stuff. That's awesome. Clever stuff. And it's starting to show in, in Vodacom's results. I mean, the strong growth they've shown in, in, in data, the good financial performance that they managed to achieve in a very depressed economy. Uh, suggests that they're, they're, they're firing on all cylinders, that those underpinning systems are doing a lot of good for them. MTN is coming off a bad couple of years where they've had a huge, huge, um, uh, what's the word, um, turnover in CEOs and management. I mean, the, the management of MTN is completely new compared to what it was 18 months yeah. ago. Um, Cell C, of course, is, um, uh, you know, they're fighting hard. They've got a new shareholder coming in who's no doubt going to have some new ideas. Um, but they're all good. they all have to compete with this big gorilla in the room, which is Vodacom. Um, MTN's got a stable management team now, but they've got a lot of legacy issues they need to sort out, and then they need to start to chip away at this edifice called Vodacom. CellC needs to do the same. Telcom is, is subscale in the mobile game. They're boxing very cleverly with the freemie plans, oh, yeah. um, and they are gaining market share. Uh, um, but um, you know, it's difficult to win. You know, the big player in the market is not resting on its laurels, uh, and, and not and not uh, not fighting it on price. Uh, you know, I mean, they come out with as one of the you know more expensive in terms of uh, of data. And they, well, they, well, they do at the headline level, but um, they're not necessarily always the most expensive when they when you get into these personalised offers on on vote. They're called vote just for you. Okay. So they send these messages to to you, and, and or, or you access them via their USSD portal. And it's offering you personalized pricing. So they might mm. say that they, mm. a gigabyte on Vodacom costs 199 Rand, but in reality, people may actually be, only be paying 89 Rand, which may be actually be less than the headline price on Telcom or on MTN. Yeah, yeah, interesting. But it's interesting your that, they, that, that, you know, that they, the perception is that they're almost not fighting it on price. You know, they, That's the perception, they're not, for sure. They're, for sure. They're, mm. they're pegged there, but they're actually fighting it on, on technology and strategy. If you look at their deals, they don't always, yeah, the, the data deals and the, yeah. uh, the voice deals for sure. I mean, certainly if you, you know as a customer, if you're, going, if you're walking into a Vodacom shop, you're not going to get the cheapest deal necessarily. You're probably going in there because you know you're going to get the coverage you want. Uh, perhaps because one of the others doesn't have coverage where you work or where you live. Or, um, or you, you travel a lot outside the cities where, um, you know, where, where Vodacom is known to have pretty robust coverage relative to the other operators. Yeah. So you know, it's a it's a this market is mature now. It's not like the old days where people, you know it didn't matter which operator you could just sit rest on your laurels and the customers would come. Today you have to fight for those customers um, because people churn between networks. Um, you know, there are an estimated 19 million active SIM cards in South Africa now. Wow! Um, so we're, we're that's incredible. Give it another couple of years, and we'll probably be at 200 percent penetration. I mean, how many people have got two phones that you know? I know quite a few people. Yeah, carry around two phones. Yeah, I mean, I've probably Are you sure you got the best both worlds. I know I, I, I'm not. I'm not the. Um, I'm not the average person, but I've probably got about 20 active phones. <laughs> <laughs> So you're searching I, I, for the best deal, eh? I, I'm certainly on the other side of the spectrum then, uh, walking around with one. Okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I, uh, I actually, I actually, I, I'm actually a customer of every network. Um, I'm a customer of every network. Oh, <laughs> Maybe support, I need to consolidate. <laughs> <laughs> consolidate. <laughs> 
at least not do it with one of the losers then maybe <laughs> <laughs> yeah but I, I carry I mean I carry two uh, two of those little Huawei um, dongles in my bag yeah. one's got an MTN SIM and the other one's got a Vodacom SIM in my phone's got a Telcom SIM in that way I figure I'm, I'm pretty much covered you know if uh, one of the networks isn't available you know because I have to travel around and work a lot and you know if I need a signal wherever I am and uh, and uh, you know, so it's you know it's important that I have a signal. So I have a SIM from every network, not a huge amount of data from every network, but uh, but you know at least it gets you around. Especially if you yeah you need. I mean you in your in your job you can't be without data, especially if yeah. you post a story. Exactly. But for us mere mortals, Duncan, <laughs> we only post once a day, or once a week. How many yeah, SIMs do you have, Rafa? Come on. Well, actually, I've got one SIM with uh, well one account with two SIM cards linked to it. So I've okay. got a second SIM that I use. I don't have to worry about additional data. It all just gets deducted yeah, off my do you have a, account. Do you have a dual SIM phone? No, no, I've got a single SIM phone. But also, I use two devices, but uh, oh, my second device, a... I don't have a SIM in it. I just use it for, I just have it as a Wi-Fi because it normally connects, everything connects to my iPhone. Is that your AfriHost SIM? This is my AfriHost SIM. My AfriHost SIM is in my main phone. That's okay. my main data. Right. But my secondary SIM is mainly a voice SIM, but yeah. when I use data, it comes off my 500 megabyte free minutes of, Free, um, free data that I get right. on my normal account because you know with Afrihost once you use Afrihost you relinquish your MTN data that you get yes. you don't access that part of your yeah. account yeah yeah, okay so you guys should just stick with one yes maybe Vodacom if, after anybody uh, anybody <laughs> else is a loser and uh, <laughs> keep it simple like I do <laughs> there we go Vodacom is our uh, win sorry no Vodacom is not a winner loser this, is, this week is anyone except uh, Vodacom or anyone trying to compete with Vodacom rather uh, let's move on to our uh, regular. Uh, let's move on to our picks, rather. Um, Simon, you've got an interesting one. We we spoke about it actually uh, when we were on the podcast two weeks ago. It's called Black Tracks. Just remind everyone what that is and why you're excited about it today. <laughs> well, so as we heard, uh, was it uh, a week ago, two weeks ago? It was. Uh, it's a. Uh, it's motion control. So. Um, and it's in, used in the live events industry, uh, very similar to what they've been using in gaming for a while. But when you're starting to move, you know, huge projection and uh, huge lighting control, etc., uh, Blacktracks has really, really pioneered in that space. Uh, so that's, you know, was my pick a couple of uh, weeks ago. Uh, I saw it in Germany, and was absolutely oblivious to the fact that one of the distributors here plan to launch it here at MediaTek. So we've actually seen it here in MediaTek. I was excited about it uh, coming to South Africa. I think it, uh, if we can see that in some of the productions, it's going to be awesome. Oh, fantastic. In fact, Simon, you, you sounded um, positively distraught when we spoke two weeks ago that it wasn't going to be at MediaTek. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I, I spoke to the guys and I said, how could you have kept it such a secret? I, I said, I even spoke about it on Tech Central. And I said, you made me, made me look like a fool saying that you know, I didn't think it was going to come. <laughs> so here it is. Uh, the show ends today, doesn't it, Simon? Yeah, that's, that's right. We what? close at, uh, at 6 o'clock this evening. Okay, actually. this podcast, I'm afraid, is not going to get out in time, but uh, um, I'm sure it'll be here next time around, right? Absolutely. So yeah. the, show, the show is biannual, so uh, the next one will be in 20... 2019. 2019, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so it seems a bit strange with the, the pace at which technology moves, but uh, the number of international mm. clients that we have coming out here, yeah, it kind of works for them. You know, yeah. They're working on a global scale, and that mm. kind of fits into a bit of a circuit. Okay, okay. So, unfortunately, if you haven't been to MediaTek yet, you have missed Black Tracks, but I'm going to go and have a look at it as soon as we finish podcasting here. What's your pick, Rafat? Um So, I have a little pick that I came across the other day. Now, and the more I think about this, the more, actually, to be honest with you, I'm a little worried about this one. But let me, let me tell you what my pick is, and I'll tell you the reason why I like it. It's called Mozilla uh, Common Voice. It's an open source project. 
in which Mozilla wants to uh, create an open source platform for voice recognition. So what they do on this, uh, on this platform that they created is they want you to either validate audio that you hear with a sentence on screen, because they're trying to build a database, intelligence database of you know, audio to, to text and uh, reverse. But what you can also do is you can donate your voice by reading sentences that they give you. So once you sign up, they provide you with some content, you read that, and that again goes into the machine that other people can validate uh, on their web page. I think it's a, it's a nice project, and I can see the benefit in having you know, people develop on a, people having access to an open source platform to develop con uh, software or apps or content or whatever for, for voice. Um, so from that point of view, I think it's great. But the more I thought about it, you know, I'm thinking, hmm, having access to you know so much data you know it could be used if you you know it could be used to obviously uh, interpret voice much better but that's also going to introduce a rogue element to it i guess Ac with access to the data now you can plant microphones anywhere have something interpreted <laughs> i guess you've got access to it regardless but um yeah i still think it's a nice uh, a nice nice project i'm gonna go have a look at that voice.mozilla.org voice.mozilla.org sounds interesting i'm gonna go have a look at that this afternoon my pick this weekend. I thought um, let me uh, let me throw some love at the uh, rest of the podcasting uh, community here in South Africa and pick uh, some of my favourite podcasts over the next few weeks. Um, and uh, one one show that has become indispensable to me every week. And uh, as you know, Rachel, I'm very interested in South African politics and everything that's oh, going yeah. on. And and the show that's become uh, indispensable listening is um, Ju Justice Malala's The Burning Platform on Cliff Central. Um, it's a, a discussion he has, political discussion, an hour every week he has with Gareth Cliff about what's happening in politics in South Africa, and it's a really, really good, easy listen. Nice. And uh, if you don't know the podcast, I'm sure many of our listeners are really aware of the Burning Platform, but uh, if, you, if you're not aware of it and you're interested in knowing what's going on in this crazy country called South Africa, um, the Burning Platform is a really, really good podcast, so go check it out. Yeah, I subscribe to it on your podcast uh, app recommendation as well. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. 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 And that is our show. Apart from our quiz results, um, shall we get to those? Rechard, do you want to kick off with the first question and then Simon, you can do the second. The first question. The Tech Central this week published a podcast with former CTO of Business Connection, who is working on a reversible hydrogen cell. Who is he? And for a bonus point, what is his reversible fuel cell called? And the answer is Andy Brower and Rigel. Right, and the second one was, we're recording Tech Central at MediaTek Africa 2017. Where is the event taking place? The answer is the Tikapro Dome in Ramberg in Johannesburg. Our third question, SAP is fighting allegations of kickbacks involving its South African operation. Which SAP board member has been parachuted into the country to deal with the crisis? And the answer there is Adair Fox Martin. The fourth question, semiconductor company Qualcomm is facing, Qualcomm is facing a bruising and increasingly acrimonious legal battle with which smartphone manufacturer? And the answer there is Apple. And our last question, who has been named as Interim SAP Africa MD in the wake of allegations of kickbacks involving a Gupta-owned company? And the answer there is Klaus Quenemann. And that is our show. As always, if you've got any feedback, uh, please drop us a note. Our email address is info at techcentral.co.za. Simon Robinson, thanks so much for hosting us at MediaTek 2017. Fantastic show, and uh, we look forward to seeing you at the next one. Great, thank you. It's always a pleasure to have you guys here. Cheers, cheers. Thanks, Simon. And um, until next time, from Rachat and myself, cheers. Ciao, ciao.